Cast. It's not about the corner office. It's not about the fancy title. It's not even about the extra money. Responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you, and that care takes on many forms. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor. The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. And now, on to today's show. Well, all right, listeners, welcome to this episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast. I've got a great guest for you today. I want you to join me in welcoming Dr. Brian Smith to the show. Brian, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Earl. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, no, I am excited as as well. And for the listeners, uh, you know, Brian is founder and senior managing partner of IA Business Advisors, a management consulting firm that has worked with more than 18,000 CEOs, I love that number, entrepreneurs, managers, and employees worldwide. Together with his daughter, who can't be with us because uh, she's busy getting married, uh, he has authored his latest book, uh, Individual Advantages, Be the I in Team. Uh, so congratulations to your daughter, and I understand you got a nice destination wedding coming up here, so congratulations to the, the whole family for that. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to start you off where I start off all of my guests. Uh, when you hear the term responsible leadership, what does that mean to you? Yeah, well, Earl, for us, responsible leadership is about being uh, inclusive, slowing down, and understanding the present moment of where you are as an organization and as an individual and where you're all going and supporting yourself and all of those who support you or that you support along the way um, in the most positive way possible. So that really for us, it's just about being self-aware and or individually aware um, of your area of influence and always looking forward in a positive way. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. And, and, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, with, with, you know, having went through the book and kind of looked at some of the other things that you've got out there with, uh, you know, articles you've written and all that. Um, that, that, that sounds perfectly kind of like what I was expecting to hear. Um, but I got to ask another question here because, you know, we, we're, we're, our entire lives, we're told, you know, there's no I in team, there's no I in team, but, uh, yeah, you you've kind of really put that uh, put that on its ear, and and you promote the I in team, right? We do well. You know, first of all, Earl, uh, you cannot be your best for anybody else if you're not first best for yourself, mm-hmm. and that's a dangerous thing sometimes when people think about it without you know a lot of thought because they think, well, if you're your best for yourself, you're being selfish. We just don't believe that. However, also, the I and team isn't really individual or the person. It's the influence that we wield. And uh, for us, one of the biggest or the biggest responsibility that we feel every single human has 
is the influence that we that we have because that influence well, actually the influence we have starts before we're even born when our parents first learned that we were going to be born we are already influencing their lives and we haven't even taken our first breath yet hmm. yeah that no I, I like that because i mean that that it's true and 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 honestly i never you know, I, I take it back quite a ways, but I've never taken it back that far. But you're right. I mean, they're making decisions on where they want to live, what the house needs to look like. Uh, is this job sta- uh, stable and steady enough to support having a child? Am I going to have another child? There's a lot of decisions that just find out about, about you make people make. And, and so that makes perfect sense. So continue. Yeah. So we, we take our, our philosophy on influence from that point forward and with the understanding that everything that we do in this moment and in every previous moment has a ripple effect. It, it could be a ripple effect on self, myself. It could have a ripple effect on anybody who is involved in my words or actions. So in our work, we design almost everything we do around that foundation. And um, in the business world, or uh, you know, where we live in pretty much play all the time we hold that up with what we call you know smart management which is based on smart goals so understanding your influence and what influences you is the crux of all of our work yeah and i think that's key and and again it's in such alignment because what i do is i teach these things i call shields which come from the the dod's uh, 11 leadership principles but you know, the, the first one that I, I usually talk about is, is very much in line with that. It's, it's, you were always on display. And, and, you know, the way I talk about it is, is no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're at, somebody is watching you and they're taking some type of cues from you. And the danger is you don't get to decide whether that's a positive or a negative cue. You can try to set positive examples, but they may interpret that negatively, but you just really need to be aware that you're always on display and that you're always influencing everybody around you. And I think that's kind of, kind of in line with what you're talking about there, right? Exactly. Um, and you know, semantics oftentimes can trip us up. Um, those of us that are in uh, this field of work where we work with other humans and help them to become the best of whatever it is they're trying to be the best of. It could be self, it could be a, a career, it could be a position, it could be a task. It doesn't matter what that best of is, but uh, the words we use and the terms we use might be different. But actually, as you just pointed out, the foundation of how we get here and, and what we do is is the same. Yeah. So, you know, how, how have you found, because again, with the commonality here, I'm very interested to, to, to learn from you during this discussion. You know, how have you found to be able to really break through and get people to, to understand that, right? Because, and, and, and I'll give you an example here. You know, I was talking with a leader one time and we were going over this and I said, look, you may have influenced people in your organization when you were driving to work today. And he's like, what do you mean? Nobody was in the car with me. I'm like, well, look, think about it for a second. When you were coming into work, did you did you get cut off? Did you have road rage? Was somebody trying to merge? Did you let them in? 
you know, and, and do you know that somebody who worked for your organization and knows who you are wasn't in traffic with you and saw you lose it and start flipping people off and all that? And, you know, that kind of sunk in, but then they were like, well, look, you know, that's outside of work, but you're always on, right? Right. Yeah. So, you know, um, as you noted, um, our second book, uh, BDI and Team, was released this year, but our first book, was Individual Advantages, Find the I and Team. That book was all about understanding who you are as an individual and how you became to be who you are in this particular moment in time. And there's a process that we take people through, slowing down, uh, doing, you know, some self-searching, realizing how other people's influence have uh, brought us forward. Um, one of our favorite sayings is, I am we. And uh, what that means is, is that I am a culmination of every single person who has influenced me from the time I started existing to this point in time. And that includes, as you just pointed out, uh, a drive to work, whatever happened during that drive, a discussion I might have had with my spouse or with my children. Uh, a phone call I could have taken, Earl, right before you and I got on this tele or on this uh, podcast. Um, all of those things lead us to this moment, and we are influenced by that. And it does, uh, through us, influence everything that happens after that. Yeah, yeah. So again, you're you're singing to my soul here because you know one of the other uh, shields is. Um, know yourself and seek uh, self-improvement. And uh, I think that's the key piece there, right? With what you were just talking about there is, is a, you got to know, you got to take the time, you got to do the introspection piece, but you got to do something with the data, right? Yeah. And we, you know, that could be a slippery slope for those of us who are in behavioral sciences. It, um, you know, people that have had traumatic experiences, I don't care if it's, domestic or uh, from serving in the military and being in combat zones to accidents or any other negative influence that we've had in our life, it, it can be hard to look at those things and not begin to dwell on them and go in a dark place. We try to teach that those things are only there and uh, we try to teach to find the positive takeaway, how those things can can strengthen you or build you or move you in a positive direction, not take you back. Uh, so, uh, you know, we are that culmination, but where we've been doesn't define us. What defines us is how we move forward from where we're at today. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. It's, uh, it's one big fan of, you know, the, the, the stoic, uh, philosophers. And I'm always reminded of, uh, the, the Epictetus quote, uh, I believe it's Epictetus, is men are disturbed not by things, but the view of which they take of them. Um, and, and I think that's that's kind of a lot of this here is, you know, I, I've got a lot of trauma that I've dealt with through my life from, from various things. And I, so I, I completely understand what you're saying there. Uh, but we, we when, when we have the ability to digest it and do what you just said and find the positives, uh, we can use that as a great tool for good, but the sad reality is, is not everybody has that ability to be able to look in and not let that trauma 
start them to spiral out of control, right? Yeah, and we urge when in our work that when that happens, when we hit those triggers that start to take us backwards, that we use that as an opportunity to identify that we have something that uh, influences us in that way and to get, you know, help to get past that, not on our, on our own, but reach out to somebody to help. And for all of us, uh, that could be a different answer. Um, it could be a professional, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or it could just be a friend. It could be somebody who shared a similar experience that you're aware of. Um, each of us is individually unique in those experiences, even when the experience might have been the same. How we interpret it, how we live with it, how it manifests, and what we do with it is unique to each of us. Yeah, 100%. And I really hope listeners who, who heard that really take that to heart because it's such a it's such a key piece of, of mental health and mental well-being is being able to go through that process in a healthy manner, which takes me kind of to my, my next question here leading into it is, you know, do you have any really good tips, I guess you could say, on, on how how to go through that introspection process in a healthy, productive manner? Yeah, you know, uh, for me, I believe in writing things down and taking an analytical approach. Uh, which is structured. Um, in in find, we talk about just writing down a timeline and looking at that timeline and looking for where uh, those decision points were and understanding why we might have made a decision to go left or right, up or down. Um, uh, if those decisions are out of our uh, uh, control, accepting those facts that they are out of our control. But understanding and looking at them in, a, in an analytical way has helped myself and literally thousands of people that we've worked with to get past some of the barriers and to have a clear understanding. It also slows the issue down enough where they're not or they're less afraid of uh, soliciting help and they have a piece of paper or a timeline or a, a structured way of sharing them with somebody else, the problem that oftentimes helps bring that problem into context and helps that professional or that friend or that acquaintance or whoever it might be to understand and help them through that problem much quicker. Because a lot of times we find that it's hard to help somebody because we lack context, we lack really good understanding of really what that person is facing. And when you break it down in uh, a more structured and analytical way, context can fall out because we've slowed it down so much. I, you know, I really, I really like what you just said there, especially that, that slowing down and, and, and being able to balance it. Right. Because, you know, one of the things I talk uh, about with, with folks and um, have you, have you ever heard, or are you familiar with the OODA loop? Actually, no. Okay. Uh, so the OODA loop, it was developed by an Air Force colonel, uh, you know, kind of back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, um, as a way he set out to kind of codify how people think, how people process and make decisions. And what he settled on was you go through this process uh, called uh, observe, 
orient, decide, and act. And because he kind of developed this decision-making process for fighter pilots, everybody always assumes that it was intended to help you speed up the decision-making process. And uh, Boyd himself, you know, said, no, this is about making decisions at the appropriate speed. You know, taking the time when you make an observation, uh, why did you make that observation? Why is this the thing that you noticed? Why did this piece of information stick out to you? When you orient yourself to that piece of information, uh, why did you take that point of view of the piece of information? Uh, when you're making your decisions, why is this the decision you landed on? And the resultant action, why is this the action that you took, right? And it, it sometimes that does mean speeding up the decision-making process. Sometimes that means slowing it down. But as you just mentioned, he cautions against slowing it down to the point where you get uh, – Modern term is the the analysis paralysis, right? Right. Uh, but yeah, so when you were talking that that OODA loop, observe, orient, decide, and act, like really came flooding into my mind there. Yeah, and we take people through different, I mean, the words we use are ego, uh, your roots, uh, who you want to be, uh, what self-deception do you have, uh, what intuitions do you have, um, are you being objective? Uh, uh, what self-awareness do you have about your own internal habits and the habits that uh, that you know pretty much facilitate uh, your days or your weeks? Um, what biases do you have? You know, one of the strongest uh, things that we're working on now is you know unconscious, subconscious, and conscious biases that we all carry and mm -hmm. how they influence us and how they have brought us to where we're at today and how we can overcome them. All of those things go into our review or our find process. Yeah. No, and, and that is a big field. Um, I, I, I do a lot of, you know, reading and, and uh, about unconscious biases and, and, you know, like you said, conscious and subconscious. And there's always the uh, the debate about what term to actually use when, but um, there, there's a great book out there, and I'm not sure if you've you've read this or not, uh, by Doctor uh, John Barge called "Before You Know It." Uh, have you had a chance to read that one? No, no. Oh, so he goes, he does a deep dive into that. So he's a professor at Harvard, I believe, and he's done all sorts of of bias studies, uh, talking about anchoring bias and halo horn effect and. Uh, you know, one of the more interesting studies that, that I think that he did, uh, he, he details this experiment they did with, uh, uh, with, with drinks. They would give somebody a hot drink or they'd give somebody a cold drink. And there was a direct correlation between how people were judged based on the temperature of their drink. And, you know, we, we talk about biases a lot, talking about race, sex, uh, religion, the traditional dimensions, which those are all absolutely important. But it's those subtle things that we've been talking about here a little bit about our environment. Uh, are we comfortable in the room that we're in? Are we happy because of the weather that's outside? All those things influence us, right? That's exactly right. Um, you know, and uh, a lot of people get caught up in the politically correct uh, definitions of what we're talking about with biases, but. Um, you know, as you just pointed out, biases come 
in a lot of different shapes, sizes, colors, languages, uh, events. Uh, so I think getting people back to the fact that biases uh, affect all of us. It's not unique to anybody. It is something that we all deal with as humans. And understanding them is uh, really important. And just because we have them um, uh, doesn't make us right or wrong. Uh, not all biases are bad, by the way. So it's really a good, I think it's a good exercise for individuals to try to understand what biases they have and to get past what is unconscious uh, and move it from unconscious to subconscious. Because there is a definite, a definitive difference between an unconscious bias and a subconscious bias. And um, when you can move a bias from unconscious to subconscious, you've then moved it into a place where you can actually access it, think about it, and learn about it, and influence it going forward. Yeah. No, I love it a hundred percent. And and I think it all, I think the funny part about it is, is, is when going through this and, and maybe you've got a different take on it, but uh, you know, a, a lot of this begins again with, with that one question, why, why do I view this person this way? Why do I uh, like this thing versus that thing? And, and really being able to answer that question, right? Yeah. If you're a Simon Sinek, uh, follower, you know, knowing your why is a really, uh, really important uh, foundational uh, thing for us. And uh, it's just, again, back to semantics and how you apply that particular train of thought and way of teaching um, and using it to your advantage. And to us, it doesn't matter which approach you take, if it's finding your why or you know, what any of the other thought leaders have. Just the fact that you are engaging, slowing down, thinking about self and how you can be your best self and trying to put the most positive influence into, the, into your life as you can uh, will, we feel, will move humanity individually as a single person and individually as the groups we are forward. And, you know, I don't know, Earl, if it was clear, but we have a different uh, definition of individual than most people. Yeah, well, actually, um, that that was kind of taking me into you know where I wanted to go next is is you know let's let's talk about that your definition of individual and and uh, more importantly, what are quote individual advantages? Yeah, so for us, the individual. Uh, traditionally, you know, individualism is a very selfish thing. It's, uh, you know, singular, it's me, I. Uh, and we don't believe that. As I said earlier, I am we. And, and what I mean by that and how we define it in our writing is that uh, as an individual, I'm important, but you and I right now together are on your podcast, and we are individual. We are one working together to influence listeners and each other and trying to put more positive uh, information out for everybody. And your podcast, each time that it is on the air, is individual to that 
goal. And the people that make it up, make it, are part of that singular individual action or that individual movement. So if you stretch that out and think about departments in a company, divisions in the military, uh, uh, battalions, when they are I mean, each person's individual, but when they work together, that individual battalion or that individual company is working together for a common goal. Yeah. No, I, I, I love, again, I love that. You're saying a lot of stuff that I love here. Uh, just because we kind of know this, we, we carry the saying around in our pockets most every day. Uh, our currency says it, e pluribus unum, right? Out of many, one. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a foundational principle of who we are as Americans, right? It is. Yeah. You walk, you go around the world and, you know, we're oftentimes, you know, labeled as individualists and, you know, America is a land of individualism. And I think over the years and through time and as technology has gone faster and faster and faster, we've lost that understanding. It's, you know, can't see the forest through the trees. And we forget that we're not alone. And our purpose here isn't just singular individual. That as we move through life, we touch many lives. And those touches make us better. And as we go, we become an accumulation of every time that happens. Yeah. No, and I think that's the other thing you know I really liked about about uh, you know, be the I and team is, um, you know I don't know if this was uh, intentional. I don't know how much time you spent around uh, Marines or Marine Corps boot camp, but you know a lot of this. One of the reasons why it resonated with me is it was it was really what they did to us in boot camp. Uh, what you just summarized. So, you know, when you get in there, they 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 ban the words me, my, and I, and, you know, we and us is, is what you have to say. But while they're saying, you know, you must refer to everything as we and us, we're a team. They're also stressing the importance that you have to the team, because if you fail to do your task, the team falls apart. If you fail to maintain integrity, the the team is undermined. So it's, it's a simultaneous we and the importance of the individual going on at the same time, which is, again, really what you stress, right? It does. And, and you know, uh, I was very, I'm very much influenced uh, by the military. I'm uh, a veteran myself. Um, and we happen to have a number of Marines in our organization. Um, funny enough, I'm the only Army person in the organization. All the rest are either Marines or Air Force or Navy. So, um, well, thank you for your service anyway. (laughs) Thank you. And so, um, I think you're right. You know, it was a, it was a very positive influential moment in my life when I uh, went into the army and how I got there wasn't a very positive way, which is a big, a huge topic in our first book. But what I got out of it and the influence it has had on me, both individually myself, but also our organization and the work that we do has just been beyond prophetic and beyond uh, anything that I could probably share in e- even a week of, of discussion. Yeah. Well, um, if you don't mind, would, do you mind sharing that story real quick? Because there may be somebody here who needs to hear it. Oh, sure. Uh, the end of my high school career, um, I found myself 
uh, in Southern California, uh, influenced by drugs, and all that goes with that, and found myself in jail. Um, and back in the 80s, and they may still do this now, I, I don't keep up with the details, but I was basically given a choice, prison or the military. And I had a sponsor, I got my waivers, and um, I ended up in the Army uh, instead of going to prison. And it make, made, gave me a 90-degree full right turn away from uh, where I was headed and moved me into a direction that really set the foundation for my life, from structure to positivity to discipline uh, to education. Everything fell into place when that happened to me. And, and I bet you were kicking and screaming the whole way when they gave you that sentence, weren't you? I was not a happy person. Um, you know, I was probably very typical to what people see teenagers as stereotypically, which was, you know, selfish about myself. It was unfair. There had to be a better way. And I had no idea uh, what, uh, you know, was really happening to me in a positive way. I, I, at the time, I couldn't see anything positive about it. But I'll tell you, Earl, it didn't take long uh, for that thought process to change as the structure that comes from being in the military and the discipline that comes from it and the camaraderie of your teammates. As that, as you begin to move through that early process in, in uh, basic and then into AIT and then for me, jump school, um, it really transformed everything about me. Yeah. Well, so you were airborne. I was, yes. I'll say. So uh, my, my grandfather, I've talked about him here on the podcast a couple of times. Uh, he was uh, World War II uh, Air Infantry. And uh, so he, he jumped out of planes until he was, goodness, I want to say mid-60s. Um, yeah, <laughs> That is very I, cool. It is. We we have. So one of his buddies was one of the founding members of the Golden Knights jump team. And, and we have somewhere, uh, if it's not been lost uh, to, to various moves, uh, my family has a, a Golden Knights uh, jump rig that they gave him. So That is so cool. Yeah, no, it's, it is, uh, it is. So I have, a, uh, as a, even as a Marine, I still have a lot of respect, uh, respect for army folks because of, because of my grandfather. So, um, uh, but no, I love it. So, um, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit here. So you, we've talked about the book a little bit, but you run, uh, this series you call, uh, the, the I and team series. So let's talk about that. What is the I and team series and why should people get involved with that? Yeah, the I and Team series is about finding yourself, being the influence after you've found your influence of who yourself are. And then our third book, which we're just now starting to write, is about building teams from that understanding and from uh, what it is or who it is that you are. And the I and Team series is a, is about find, be, build your influence. And your doesn't mean individually singular all the time. It can be you singular or your company or your family, you and your friends, whatever whatever makes up that individual in your life in a given moment. It's about finding, being, building the best influence that that individual can have at all times. And our work 
is centered around helping people through the process of finding, being, and building influential individuals uh, as they move through every season of their life. Okay. So now you, you mentioned it like towards the end of the book, there's a lot of uh, links to, uh, is this something you do, you know, through, through social media? Is this a zoom thing? Is this a one-on-one thing? How, do, how does this series work? Yeah. So um, the series itself is supported by our, our, written work, which is our books, but we have a very active social uh, platform where we share our work and we share our philosophies and we actually put it into context. Um, We uh, message on things that happen either to us as an organization or to our clients or things that we've just experienced or seen just in day-to-day life as we all do. We just take those take that information and, you know, repackage it and contextualize it so that we can teach a lesson from it. Um, We also embedded in our work at IA how we help people develop cultures and change cultures in their organizations, how we coach individual leaders from the top down to the individual workers. We apply our philosophy and uh, our methodology towards uh, leadership and towards personal responsibility and accountability. We teach that through our work and um, we apply it uh, on a regular basis. And then I speak uh, on a regular basis around the world to associations, to conferences, to uh, organizations, and to individual, uh, small individual groups about all of the things that you and I have talked about today. Yeah, no, that that's great. That's great. Um, so it seems like you've really, you know, I'll say relatively recently, uh, kind of put a major influence on this, you know, kind of redefining what, what individual means. Like what, what really got you there to say now is the time we need to change what this word means. Yeah. You know, what really did it for me was the more that we worked with integration of people, process, and technology in our consulting and advisory service services and the influence that technology has had on humans and that the speed of business and the speed of life has had on humans. And it has pushed them in a direction away from the we and more towards the I because things are happening so fast that we're losing track of the influence we have when we take action so quickly. We're seeing unintended consequences. We're seeing things get missed. Uh, things get bypassed. People, whole groups of people get bypassed at the speed of life nowadays. So as we identified that, we just said, you know, how, how can we best slow this down and get people refocused on the individual? And how can we help people to re-understand that we are who we are because of all of the we's in our life and that the people that we influence are who they are because of ourselves and all of the other we's they have in their life. And what's the best approach for that? And our solution was the I and T series. Yeah, no, I like that. And, and because it's true and especially, and, and I'm, I'm curious to hear uh, your experience with this, but COVID is, has really, 
you know, yeah, we're starting to kind of wind down a little bit now, but especially early on, COVID really threw kind of a gigantic monkey wrench into to a lot of that, how, how teams function together uh, and individuals, right? It did. And quite frankly, it's been really good for us and the work we do. It forced people to slow down. Um, it forced people to uh, be alone. And when they were alone, a lot, a lot, I mean, you know, I would say the majority of people learned just how much they relied on others and how important communication was, teamwork was, camaraderie was. And because of the pace of life being slowed down, we found that people's lives came back into focus. People started to focus on things that they used to take for granted. Simple things that we used to take for granted, like grocery shopping and gas and having a face-to-face conversation. Um, and it has really benefited our work and helped us to reach people and contextualize our work in a way that we would have never imagined prior to COVID. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing how that, that kind of works. I mean, um, I like to find leadership lessons in, in weird places. Like I found movie quotes and all that. And, uh, my wife and I, I can't even remember the name of the show, but there's a show on TV right now. It's a bunch of celebrities, kids. They're helping these, uh, these ranchers, uh, get their, you know, their dude ranch basically up and running after COVID. And they literally just had this conversation. I was walking through getting something. I heard them having this conversation and they were like, you know, it's amazing how how fast our lives were moving, but we come out here, we don't have cell phones, we can't take our pictures, we can't post on Instagram, uh, we have to get up early in the morning, we have to do a hard day's work, and then we still don't have any, you know, connectivity necessarily like we used to have. And it's like days seem longer and everything seems to kind of stretch out, but in a good way because, you know, the, the point that they were making is they were forced to be present. They weren't looking at life through the, the iPhone lens. Right. And, and I thought that was a perfect metaphor, the way they described it of what COVID did, because it really did slow us down and make us reevaluate work-life balance and commutes. And like you said, shopping, and we found a new appreciation for grocery store workers and, and delivery drivers. And uh, yeah, COVID's had a great toll, but I think in a lot of ways it's really helped us out. Right. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we are half glass full, lemonade from lemons kind of people. So uh, the entire the entirety of the IA team approaches life with that uh, thought and that hope with everything. So, and, you know, the biggest chapter in our first book, Earl, was Slow Down, literally. Um, that's the title of that chapter is Slow Down. And it's chapter two, and it takes up one third of the entire book. And, <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, it, it that book came out in 2018, and um, it was, you know, a bit uh, prophetic in how COVID fed how important slowdown really is. We all knew it, but doing it was the hard part. Yeah. That's always the key, right? Though is it, yeah. there, there's a lot of things we know, but doing is totally different, right? Yeah, very much so. Uh, 
it's it's we are our own worst enemies when it comes to things like that. We know, you know, nail biters know that biting your nails aren't good. We know that going too fast isn't good. We know uh, that texting and driving isn't good. We know all of the things, all the bad habits. The people that have them know that they are bad habits or they are, uh, you know, could be destructive. They could be dangerous. Yet we always we do them as humans. It's it's part of the human makeup and it's part of where society has taken us. Yeah. So with all of this in mind, and, and again, you know, looking at, at all the numbers and, and the the different strains and variations and all that, you know, most of the signs tend to point towards, while it's not over, that we're kind of on the, the upswing with COVID and, and, and it's not quite as dangerous and things are opening up and all those great things right now. Uh, but with all that in mind, with what we're talking here about individualism and, and teamwork uh, and redefining what it means to be an individual, um, what do you see, you know, the future of leadership uh, kind of as, as we recover and, and move on from COVID and prepare for whatever the next thing is going to be? What do you see the future of leadership looking like? Yeah, well, uh, I hope that what I see is that leaders are going to start to pay attention to how their influence is affecting the individuals within their charge and not just discount, uh, you know, the ones that in the past might have struggled and you just quickly make a decision and replace them because the speed of business required it, that, that people are going to be more thoughtful before they make decisions, speaking about leaders, that they're going to slow things down before they make a change. Um, and then when they do make a change, that it will be communicated better, um, that uh, leaders will be more transparent and will take into account the totality of whatever individual is to them and uh, move them forward uh, in a way that's positive and consistent with what they've prepared their people for, uh, that no more surprises and quick left turns and quick right turns that people will just be more thoughtful. I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that is the future myself. Cause I like that. I like that idea. So that's, that's, that's something for us to all strive for. So thanks for putting that out there. Um, well, Dr. Smith, we're sitting here a little over 40 minutes at this point. Um, as we look to wrap things up, I'm just kind of curious, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to cover that you really want to leave listeners with? Um, well, we kind of covered it, but what I always like to remind people of is that they're important. I don't care who you are or what you do. Doesn't I don't care what station in life you're at, what, what season you're in in your life, that you are important, that you matter, you have influence, and that influence is important to yourself, but it's also important to somebody else, and that you should never forget how that you mean something and that you have a place and that that is important to others and i don't care what it is from digging ditches to serving burgers to helping people with whatever it is you help them with you have a purpose and uh, you could be getting prepared to do those things you still have a purpose and don't forget that you have influence and that you have that that 
I love it. That is beautifully said, beautifully said. So folks want to find out more about individual advantages. They want to find out more about the uh, I and the team series, uh, more about you, um, you know, just more about all the different services you provide. Uh, where's a really good place for them to, to go get that information? Well, if you're on LinkedIn, um, you can go to on LinkedIn. It's your biz doctor. Um, Y-O-U-R-B-I-Z-D-R. Um, our website is iabusinessadvisors.com for our advisory work. And if you're interested in the I in Team series, um, that's exactly what it is, the I in Team series.com. And our books are available on Amazon, Individual Advantages, Find the I in Team, or Individual Advantages, Be the I in Team. Um, they're both available on Amazon. Love it. Love it. Well, Dr. Smith, thank you for spending the last uh, 40, 45 minutes with, with me and my listeners. I uh, really enjoyed this conversation we had. I wish you all the success. Uh, we're going to get folks on those links. We're going to have those in the show notes so they can come visit you. Uh, hopefully we drop up some business for you and, and make you even more busy than you already are. Um, and Again, uh, sorry that, that Mary couldn't be with us, but I'm glad it was for positive reasons. And, uh, yeah, enjoy your trip, and, and uh, hopefully it's a fun, successful wedding. And, again, thank you for spending some time with me and my listeners today. Earl, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening, and if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at earl at leadershipphalanx.com. That's E-A-R-L at leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Hey, what's happening out there, everybody? This is Lawrence Ross, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my podcast, The Lawrence Ross Show. Egomaniac. It's a two-hour weekly exploration into my mind. I also do sketches, celebrity impersonations. You're out of order! And I also do song parodies. Not too shabby for a blind guy. Not only are you visually impaired, but you are geographically impaired. New episodes are released every Friday. Check it out on your favorite podcasting platform or listen to it here on Society 13 on Electrocast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electric acid. Electric acid.